I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Mostly Folk. This is another one of those special episodes that I recorded as part of my program, The Catskills Cafe, which airs weekly live on WIOX radio. And that's in the Catskill Mountains. So on this particular Sunday, George Mann stopped by, and we hung out for a couple of hours. I'm going to play parts of that interview with George for you, and hope you enjoy it. So George's new album is called The Coronavirus Sessions, and we're going to start off with the first song on the album called A Song in My Heart. Here's George Mann. from his latest album, The Coronavirus Sessions. As I said, this interview with George took place uh, some weeks ago, and it did take place at WIOX Community Radio, live in the studio. So I'm going to jump right in to the interview with George Mann. I have with me today George Mann. And uh, George, I, I, I was telling George last night when we were speaking on the phone that he is, I do believe, 
my the most frequent uh, guest that I have had over the years. And uh, I'm so happy that he's back again. So he has a new album out, and it's called The Coronavirus Sessions. Hello, George. Well, hello, Artie. First off, nice to see you today. It's so been good oh, to a see year you. or so, I guess, since the last time I popped through the studio, a year and a half maybe. Um, I live in Ithaca, of course, a couple hours away from you, but it's great to pop over here and see you today and share some of the new music, you know. Um, the album has only been out about a week. A lot of the folk DJs are just getting it this week if you haven't even gotten it, you know. And um, it's tough in these times, of course, trying to put an album out. I was supposed to put the album out a week ago and be on a plane to Australia was the grand plan for a four-week tour and a week in California of dates in November on the way home. But all that, of course, has been canceled. So now, of course, what have we got? Well, we have a record and we want to get it out. We want people to hear the music, but we really can't play. <laughs> so uh, I don't see live performances coming back till next year. Um maybe by next summer, you know, or certainly outdoor performances, you know. But that first song is a song I wrote uh, in the middle of the process. You know, I started the record about eight months ago. We were recording in March when we had to shut down the studio and the COVID, you know, shutdown actually took effect in mid-March. And um, beautiful church that I record in near Ithaca, Wilberland, an old church. And Will had to shut his studio down for four months, basically. And when we picked up again at the beginning of July, uh, that's when we started working on the album in earnest. And I wrote four more songs for the record. And that was the first one of the, the last four that came. Um, thinking about, you know, how hard it is communicating with people in these times, you know, that's what that song's about. I do a lot of work with nursing homes and veterans homes. And even online, I'm doing that now since March. Are you really? Oh yeah, I do three. Normally I would be doing 10 to 12 gigs a week when I'm in Ithaca and right, not on the road. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I play for some fi played for some 55 nursing homes and veterans homes everywhere from Syracuse to Buffalo, Binghamton, Bath, and Ithaca, of course, where I live, and in points in between. Um, well, anyway, I, I, since they shut down, of course, we can't do anything live, but a number of homes have been able to do with Skype and Facebook, you know, online performances uh, yeah, that's great. or strolling one-on-one -on -one where they take me around on a computer, on a tablet, and they literally put me in the residents' hands in their beds often, and they can talk to me and I can sing them a song, take requests, that kind of stuff. So that song's about that, you know, reaching out through the wire, trying to, you know, talk to my friend, fam, ladies and men I've known for years who now I can only see on the computer screen. And uh, that, that, that sense of isolation that we're all getting used to, for want of a better word, having to get used to in the last six months. You know, actually, in, in a lot of respects, that gives you a, a, an interesting opportunity to do something that you couldn't have done. For me. all of but, the musicians who are stranded at home and not gigging and touring, I've been saying this for years, why don't you just learn 15 Johnny Cash and Elvis songs if you don't already know exactly. them? Exactly. John Denver, the Beatles, you know, all the, all the country stuff, you know, Don't Fence Me In, Red River Valley. You probably knew these from the time you were 12 anyway. And... um it's a special kind of uh, joy that I get doing it. It's not the same as being there and hugging these folks. Some of them I've known for years. Like I say, I, I play in some of these homes once a week, once every two weeks, once oh, a month, when, you know, prior to the COVID. And, um, and you know, it's you can see the pain and the sadness in, in their eyes. They're, they're, most of them can't go out of their rooms. They're lucky if they can go outside. Uh, if their home allows them to go outside, some of them are in lockdown again now. Um, and a couple of homes I, I worked in had untold numbers of deaths, uh, mm. a home down near Pennsylvania border that I sang in and had last I heard 102 cases and something like oh, 24 wow. deaths. Um, home I've been singing at in Corning for, you know, every Thursday for the last seven months, they, they've been using me. They use me, used to use me twice a month, but we went online. We went weekly. Well, they got hit with about 70 cases between staff and residents four weeks ago, wow. and I've lost four weeks of gigs <laughs> because of that, you know, but I'm, I'm not thinking so much about that. I'm thinking about who's sick there that I know and love, and I don't yeah. even know because of con pa patient confidentiality. So it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So that song was about trying to break through that, that uh, distance, okay. seeing like the beautiful people and, and knowing you can't touch them, you know? Like I said, uh, yeah, I, I've interviewed you so many times, and many of those times, you were either coming in or going out of a nursing home. And, you know, you're in the middle of a show or you're about to do a show or you just finished the show. So uh, it's, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be tough. 
uh, not being able to uh, connect that way with the folks that you're so used to doing. Yeah. But I do like this idea of uh, the Skype thing. And, oh, yeah, yeah we use know. Skype, we use Facebook Live, or uh, even Zoom, you know, okay. any of those right. platforms yeah. will work. And um, for musicians, of course, who are sitting there wondering when they're going to be able to play live again, you might want to explore it, because as you know, most, any big-sized town would have a nursing home in it. Right. Um, not all of them want to pay for it, and of course, you know, I mean... Well, <laughs> there's a certain level of uh, of performance uh, criteria that that you have to meet, but the bar is not so high as you would think. You know, I was going to play the second song on the album, so why don't we just play that? And it was kind of a follow up to the first song. It's a little different uh, in terms of um, well, sound. The name of the song is <laughs> "The Fish Always Rots from the Head." Now, I wonder who that might be about. Yeah, I'm just wondering. So let's play the song and we could talk about it. Here's George Mann. It's another day with the fishing rod, another day on the dock so high. But the water's running cold. Fish have all been fished up here The smart ones long ago disappeared None of these straits are paved with gold My grandpa, he's a working man He still provides whenever he can But today he just explodes It's the same old story we've all been told the rich get richer and we just get old It's the same old lesson we've never learned we'll Play with fire and you won't get burned But we'll outlast them in this fight For they can't stand too long out in the light Cause the fish always rots from the head Yeah, the fish always rots from the head when the head smells bad as that one does You can tell that fish is dead Yeah, the fish Always rots from the head Second shift in the assembly line Work you hard, but that's just fine There's no time left to care You got no union and no boss here They laid 300 off last year They say you're lucky to be working there It's the same old story we've all been told the rich get richer and we just get old It's the same old lesson we've never learned Don't play with fire and you won't get burned But we'll outlast them in this fight Well, they can't stand too long out in the light Cause the fish always rots from the head Yeah, the fish always rots from the head when the head smells bad as that one does You can tell that fish is dead Yeah, the fish Always rots from the head Yeah, the fish Always rots from the head From his new album, The Coronavirus Sessions, that was George Mann with The Fish Always Rocks from the Head. And uh, do we need to talk about that, George? <laughs> well, I don't think we need to talk about who it's about. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah. I will tell you, well, yeah, the reason I, I wanted to start with those two songs, uh, the one we started with, you know, Song of My Heart and, and this one is, uh, you know, I'm a folk singer already. I've been touring alone for some 15 years or so, 12 years since Julius passed away, my old singing partner. And yet I, I came out of the rock and roll, you know, scene mm-hmm. uh, in the 70s and 80s growing up in Long Island, you know, and um, in New York City. And so... Every time I make a new record, I say I'm going to make a folk album. And the problem is I've got wonderful musicians in Ithaca that I've been playing with and recording with now. And when I write a song, I mean, it's pretty clear to me when the song is being written, whether it's going to be an acoustic song or one with the band. Um, and those two were the best examples of it. When I was writing a song in my heart, I knew it was going to be the opening song for the record. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be a nice, happy, quiet song with just guitars on it and some vocals, you know. And yet The Fish Always Rots on the Head is actually the oldest song on the record. It's almost two years old now. Um, I wrote it when I came home from the October 2018 tour of Australia and California and uh, wrote it for the midterm elections. And uh, and I brought the band together. Uh, Doug Robinson has been playing me for four or five albums on bass now. Michael Wellen on drums. And Rich DiPaolo on lead guitar has joined us. And not we're not a band, obviously. I, I, you know, they, they, they come in and they're friends and they play in the studio for me. And, uh, and they're compensated very nicely for what they... And they, they're worth every penny, obviously. Um, but we don't work as a band per se. They're all doing their own stuff, musicians. They've got, they're in five or six different projects. Uh, they're some of the best known Ithaca musicians. They're, you know, living and playing in Ithaca. So, uh, so with that one, man, we came in. I wrote that song the day before, two days before we went into the studio. I sent the boys a demo. We never rehearsed it. We went to the studio, set up all the equipment, and we rehearsed it for an hour or two, and we cut it. Wow. And we did a little bit of overdubbing later, of course, but uh, The Fish Always Rots from the Head was one of those songs that came out and got recorded all in one day. So neat. Um, and it's about Trump, of course, you know, I mean, you know, I might as well say it because I, you know, you may have uh, Trump supporters among your listeners. And I wrote this again, the song was two years ago, almost that I wrote it. Uh, we were already seeing that the, the rich were getting richer from his tax cuts, tax mm-hmm. cuts, and most of us weren't, you know, and uh, a lot of depression that's, that was out there. And this is all pre-COVID in that song, you know, people fishing off a of docks for their dinner. Right. You know, hey, that's one less meal they have to buy if they catch a fish that night. And that kind of desperation that was already creeping in a year and a half ago when I wrote that song two years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and then we've been through a lot of tough times since. And so some of the newer songs try to touch on that, too. You know, I see you here in front of me you have a, a shirt on. Uh, is that Joe Hill on the shirt? I wore my Joe Hill shirt today okay. because I did and visit it, with my friend's magpie And it says, earlier. don't mourn, organize. <laughs> and that would lead me right into my next question for you, or statement, and that's the fact that you were a union organizer before you really took off uh, in doing the folk music thing. Full time, uh, what, yeah. what was, what was, uh, talk about, I know you've spoken about it, in the past with me, but I'm sure my audience would like to hear a little bit about that. Well, um, I know the term community organizer got maligned in the last eight years when Mr. Obama was president, but uh, uh, I started out in life as kind of a community organizer, you know, in a sense, caring about Long Island where I grew up. There's a picture of me at 17 marching in front of the Shoreham nuclear power plant to keep it closed. It took us 10 years to shut that thing down and never opened fully, right? But uh, uh, the, the, the local power authority tried to ram a nuclear power plant through on an island only 10 miles wide. Mm. And the only reason it got shut down in the end is people realized that if there was an accident at Shoreham on the North Shore of Long Island, it would basically, the plume would go south and cut off all the rich people on the on the East End in the Hamptons. And that's the only reason it got shut down in the end. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You'd have all those people stranded and dying of, of nuclear exposure out in the Hamptons, and they God. didn't want that. Uh, that's just my take on it. But but no, but I went into the union movement um, when I was a graduate student. You know, I was a journalist and wrote for the New York Times in another life and uh, all that. You know, I was a journalist with Newsday and was thought that was going to be my career, and it kind of helped me along the way in many 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 steps in the union movement. But when I was working on my master's degree, the graduate students in the State University of New York, you have Albany not far from here, one of the SUNY centers, were in the middle of an eight-year battle to get the right to unionize. And SUNY was fighting uh, them, saying they didn't have a right to be considered employees. 
Um, we won that battle in 1992, the same year I got my master's degree in English and I became a union organizer. Uh, and I never looked back from there. You know, I didn't want to be a journalist per se, even though it, it's always informed my writing and my 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 desire to keep abreast of what's going on in the world, you know. But the labor movement, I, I, most of the time I spent with the musicians union in New York City, working in there. We're organizing jazz bands and shows and and uh, the new school, the professors at the, the jazz college, we organized them in 1997. And that opened the door for the United Auto Workers to organize the other 3,000 adjuncts in the new school so that the new school is now a union, um, you know, union facility for the, for the teachers there. Um, I worked in the labor movement for about nine years before I got to the point where I realized I'm going to hate myself for the rest of my life if I don't try to make music full time and see where it goes. So uh, I took the vow of poverty about 10 years ago, 11 <laughs> years ago. I quit my last job in New York City. I moved to Ithaca a year later. As a matter of fact, already it was Halloween 10 years ago this this year. Uh, a week or so from now, I'm going to be celebrating my the day I wow. left New York with two cats in my van for the last time <laughs> and my box spring on the roof of my uh, of my minivan because it wouldn't fit inside and uh, and moved up to Ithaca and started a new life there. And, and so I'm still part of the labor movement. I still sing for the labor movement. I'm in the industrial workers of the world. I'm in the musicians union, local 1000. But um, more of my work now is geared towards senior citizens, especially when I'm not on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what pays the bills because, as you know, it's hard, especially now, <laughs> uh, yeah. impossible to make a living uh, for another year or so till we can do live performance again. But you dropped that and you became. Uh, where did you begin with music? How did that happen? Fourth grade. Okay, so you just started <laughs> my, playing my un- my Italian uncles, and I know I don't look Italian, but my my purely <laughs> Italian uncles used to break out the guitars and the mandolins at Thanksgiving and Easter dinners, and after glasses of wine, they'd start singing the old Italian songs, you know. And uh, my uncle gave me a guitar when I was nine years old. It was too big for me to play, but uh, I mean, I, uh-huh. uh, but it, but you know, it was one of those big yeah, jumbos, yeah. you know. And I learned to play guitar, but I mean, I was a rock and roll kid. I, I played in rock bands all through my teens and high school. And, and again, it was that, that uh, I've been writing songs since I was a kid, but I didn't really turn towards the, more of the political folk work until I was in the labor movement many years later and started writing folk songs probably, I'd say, around 97, 98, when I started working with Julius Margolin, mm-hmm. my old buddy who was 93 when he passed away 10 years, 11 years ago now. And some of your influences then when you were growing up, who oh, were you uh, listening to? Oh, uh, musically. Let's see. It started with the monkeys. <laughs> okay. That's, that's perfectly understandable. I'm, I'm being silly. You know, course, the, the monkeys a get a bad rap, but they made, <laughs> they made some really nice music. Yeah. They didn't play their instruments, but they, <laughs> but they were great actors and they, they sang good yeah. songs and uh, I'm a believer and daydream believer and yeah. take the last train to Clarksville. But I was a child watching them, you know, on TV and, <laughs> and the Beatles cartoon show that was on in the late okay. 60s. You know, I was, I was born in 62 in case you're wondering. So I would have been eight years old in 19. 1970. And uh, around 10 years old was when I started stealing my older sister's records. You know, when she wasn't home, I'd stick them on my turntable. And, you know, because I, all I had at the time were the monkeys and the carpenters, I think, you know. Uh, but but uh, I started learning about the Beatles and the Who. Uh, man, I loved uh, Tommy when I was 12, 13 years old. I'd sit there on the corner of my bed, and that would be my snare drum. Yeah. And I'd be playing along to the Who, you know, playing music, pretending. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be a drummer, you know. Um, but no, as, as the, the influences that I think are most important to me as a songwriter, um, John Lennon, mm. Neil Young, mm-hmm. Towns Van Zandt. Utah Phillips, John okay. Gorka. I've been following all of them uh, for, for many, many years. Woody Guthrie, of course, Pete Seeger, you know, all the great folk artists. But but um, I'd say, I guess my, my style of songwriting is, I guess, kind of closer to people like Towns Van Zandt and, uh, and John Gorka, you know. Look at John. He can't tour with a band, right? He, he plays alone. But yeah. on all his records, he has beautiful musicians backing him up. Right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, as a songwriter, I think it's important to know what you want that sound like, to a song to sound like, 
and to make it sound the way you want. I don't think about, you know, commercialism, like <laughs> whether it's going to be played or not, you know, I mean, if I was, I wouldn't be making this kind of music, you know? Uh, so, uh, so, you know, to me that, that process of first getting a song to the finish line where you, you figure it's done and then how's it going to sound in the studio? What do you add to it? How do you tell the other players to play those musicians I'm playing with and the singers who are on this group uh, album, Mary Lorson again, she's on nine or 10 of the songs. Great voice, beautiful voice. The perfect voice to sing on my songs. I don't tell her what to sing. I might give her some feedback in the studio or say, can you try it this way? But, um, but she, she has her own ideas, as do the musicians. And uh, that collaborative process was even made more difficult because of the coronavirus. Right, um, yeah. We were recording in the, in the second half when we started up in July and recorded the last three or four songs for the record and did all the overdubbing. Um, you know, we're wearing masks. We're twenty yeah, feet I apart see that from on each the other. Album right, cover. right, right. Uh, we're not allowed yes. in the control room. Will Russell, you know, he's very yeah. strict about you know keeping himself safe because he's got family at home, a wife and a kid that he doesn't want to get sick. And uh, you know, he can't have thirty musicians traipsing through the control room. So very sterile environment. Um, but we overcame those problems, you know, and. Um, you know, listen to headphone mixes a lot more than, than you used to, but we'll even set up a set of monitors in the big room for us to listen to the playbacks, you know? So, um, we made it happen. And, and to be honest with you, you know, Artie, I, I usually know the name of the album, you know, a month or two before it's finished, but then, <laughs> but I had no clue what to call this record. And when, when it came down to the end, I'm like, well, gee, when I'm going to get the guys together to listen to the mixes for the first time, just like on the back cover of the record, there's four guys at headphone stations, six far to fart with masks on <laughs> listening to the record to make sure that, that they're happy with their parts and don't want to fix anything, you know? Uh, so it was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. There's a song on this album. At first, I, I thought it was about you, uh, just looking at the name of the song. <laughs> but, but I love the song, and uh, I, I really have to admit that whenever I listen to music I always hear the music first and then you know I'll get into the songs uh, the words and the lyrics later on uh, and I, I, this song is one of those songs that I'm sorry I didn't listen to the lyrics a little more carefully when I first heard it but the song itself uh, I love and uh, uh, you want to talk about it before or after I play this song? Well, I'll just give a, I won't give away the song, but I will give you a little bit of uh, interest for the uh, background for the listeners, and then we'll talk more after it. Um, the song's called My Name is George, and Artie, I mean, you only got the album three days ago, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate that you listened to it at all. <laughs> um, in the wake of George Floyd's killing, by the way, he was killed on my birthday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, May 25th was my birthday. That was Memorial Day. And that's the night he was killed or the afternoon he was killed in Minneapolis. And um, so many artists react to things like this and they're able to write songs like three days later, they got a song about an event like that. And I admire that because I'm not a, a that kind of a topical songwriter. Um, and at the same time, it does bother me sometimes, you know, because I got to get a song out about this. I got to get a song about that. That's that attitude. When, when I thought about what happened to George Floyd and I watched that eight minutes and 47 seconds, 46 seconds, however you clock it, that he was, you know, laying there with his neck being pressed uh, on by the knee of the officer. Um, I, I knew I was going to write something. And then I thought, well, wait, I'm not going to, don't write a song about George Floyd. Write a song about another guy named George. And it's not me, but if I call it my name is George, people, no, nobody's going to think it's me once they hear it or, or hear the lyrics or read the lyrics, but uh, it might be a, a somewhat of a, a, a trick to get people to listen. And um, it's about another man named George. And how about we listen to it and then we'll talk about it. And uh, the band was just beautiful on it. It's, I think, one of the saddest and prettiest songs I think I've ever written. Um, and they really, Mary Lawson, um, a woman named Therese, Sing Therese is on this too, um, giving us that soulful voice that we needed. Mary has a beautiful voice, but Therese gave us the, the soul. So here's my name is George. My name is George. I'll get that over now, just so you know. I'm not just being proud. This face always stood out in a crowd, a 
But now I'm staring at this barren ground I was given this name I didn't have no choice I take the blame I never had no voice But I'm not ashamed And I am not your boy I am a man And I'm freedom bound But that's not the way that you see me now In a land that's still not free Maybe a hundred years from now We'd be neighbors, you and me Later tonight when the sun goes down And you're sitting comfortably Don't forget that I had a name Don't forget I was not afraid They gather around Beneath this old oak tree There's no way out Well, none that I can see But there's a better world Waiting somewhere for me Oh, yes, I am I'm freedom <laughs> no, I'm, That's I'm to get to them first. No, I'm <laughs> serious. It's it. going <laughs> to hopefully. Hopefully, this album went out to. Uh, well, it is. It's, it's being its distributed yeah. with uh, through what Hudson Ar- Harding. Or? No, Art Menius is handling the radio on this one. Who Ar- is Art Menius? Oh, oh Art. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. All yeah. right. He's a, so he's yeah, great. Music I like. No, I love Art. He's a yeah, great guy. He sends me a lot of stuff and. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I've known Art for 20 years, too, from the Hail to the Thief albums, going all the way back to the, uh, the first Hail to the Thief CDs we made. And uh, he's doing a lot of radio promotion in addition to his own show, so he's yeah. helping on this. But um, the thing about that song was interesting was, um, you know, again, I write with an acoustic guitar. You know, I might throw a drum beat on, you know, a pre-programmed drum beat, you know, uh, off of my synthesizer in my home studio when I make a demo for the band. But the band, and I keep calling them the band, you know, I mean, it's... It's Michael on drums, Michael Wellen, and Doug Robinson on bass, and Rich on guitar. And then, of course, uh, Mary and, and Therese singing on this song. It just sounds so like like they were born to play on these songs, you know? That's how I feel about it. Uh, it's the first time we actually tracked with the full band, the four of us tracking together. The bass, drums, me on acoustic guitar, and Rich on rhythm guitars, and he overdubs his solos later, of course. You know, you can't play two guitars at once. Um, but, and so that, that, that unity that's on seven of the songs is uh, on the album is, 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 I think, what holds the album together really well. And then the five acoustic songs, which are softer and kind of give you a break from the band, kind 
kind of bounce in and out throughout mm-hmm. the, the album. So, you know, I mean, I think about this thing for hours, you know, and hours and hours and days when you're making a record. Which song's going first? Which goes after that? You try to figure out, you know, what makes the album flow. And then you realize most people never listen to the full album anyway, <laughs> at least these days. You know? <laughs> but, um, but I always hope that when people buy a record of mine or, or get it, that they will actually take the 47 minutes to sit down and listen top to bottom because it does tell a story um, thematically, I hope, and also sonically. And well, that one was uh, one of the ones I think we hit. We, well, hit, a, we hit it out of the home run. I hope, the that, park I that, hope that one is a hit. That's, that's really a great song. <laughs> well, if you want to move on to another one, I mean, the one I really think okay, is The Bottle Wins Each Time. Oh, okay, really? That, that's too, I don't know if you've even listened to that yet. Um, this is a song, I'll tell you quickly about this one. This is the one that I think Nashville should buy. Okay. <laughs> Some country star is going to make a million dollars off it and I'll get the royalties uh, <laughs> and I sit home and collect them. Um, this is an amazing song. Um, and I, I say it without ego. Um, a year ago, Christmas 2018, two years ago almost, my friend put up something on Facebook. He's a DJ out in Oregon and I'm not going to get any more specific. Uh but he's a friend and a fan and a, and a DJ, folk DJ. And he put on Facebook this story about he and his son had been looking for the son's mother over Christmas. I knew the son was his, but I didn't realize he was adopted at the time. We weren't that good friends. I've known him, you know, a couple of years, played my stuff. Anyway, long story short, he and his son were driving through San Francisco on Christmas Eve looking for his homeless drunk mother. The mother of the kid. The kid's 12 years old, or was at the time, 11 Oh, my God. And the story that was on Facebook was not written up until after they'd found her, which was just amazing. She was actually in Ukiah, which is a town too, that I play in. For 20 years, I've played in Ukiah every year, two hours north of San Francisco. And someone had told him in the homeless community in San Francisco, she's up in Ukiah. And somebody else had told him they thought she was dead. So he didn't know what was going on. But Christmas Eve, he and his son are driving around Ukiah, this town two hours north of San Francisco, looking for her. And they find somebody in the homeless camp who says, oh, yeah, she's up. She's been sleeping in an old uh, Saab or Volvo car in the car repair shop and back in the car repair shop. He drove up and found her there, huddled in the car on Christmas Eve, brought her home to his home. She spent 10 days there with her son and him. And then he said, I'll give you the choice. We'll pay for everything, get you in treatment, get you into school, or I'll buy you a ticket back to San Francisco. Huh. She chose the ticket. Oh, my God. And I didn't know at the time that they weren't, it was not his biological son and they were never lovers. See, I didn't know this. So I wrote the song a year later, though, about this event. And because um, he challenged me, he said, when he told me about it, I, I wrote him back and said, oh, man, it's an incredible story. He said, you write the song. It took me a year to write it. And I wrote it right after Christmas 10 months ago. And it's called The Bottle Wins Each Time. He'd been out the whole night searching Beams on and windows down Cruising Christmas Eve With a sleeping kid Strapped in the backseat Through all the seedy parts of town Found her huddled in an old car Back behind the auto shop Brought her home to warm her up over the holiday But the shaking wouldn't stop Though it thinks he sees a glimpse of memory in her eyes She keeps looking to the door Her old bag is in the corner And jacket on the floor Even the pure love of a child Can't contain her anymore 
gets in her eyes You know that she's made up her mind You'll always lose If you give her the chance to choose The bottle wins each time The bottle as George said, that uh, song has a story, kind of a sad story, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> the bottle always wins, doesn't it? Well, at least in this case. Yeah. Um, the coda to that story is just this last Christmas, of course, uh, eight months ago, ten months ago now. Uh, I, w- I still hadn't written the song, and he wasn't asking me to. He just, he just said it offhand in the comments in 2018 Christmas. He said, oh, you write the song, you know, you write the song. And so... Um, I checked in with him, uh, you know, during the holidays, of course, just to say hello. And they had gone and visited her again and brought her home again for a few days. She, she's a homeless person with a, in a community of homeless people in the streets of San Francisco. And that's where she feels most comfortable. And, you know, sadly, she's about 38 and she's mm. going to drink till she dies, probably. Um, anyway, they brought her home again and, you know, they didn't go through the same thing, you know, trying to make a choice, just, you know, they got to spend a few days together and she went back to San Francisco. So, you know, they, they do keep in touch with her. And again, this is the birth mother of his adopted child. I was under the impression that the two had been together and this was their biological child. And, uh, he cleared that up for me when I wrote the song last, uh, and I wrote it three days after Christmas or so, uh, right about the time that it was happening a, a year oh, later. So there's a song on here called uh, Donnie Took a Dump All Over Twitter. And I feel I've got to play that song. Think about switching gears. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to play the intro to it, too. Okay, the intro is just a little bit of gibber. Yeah, it's just like Uh, a 12, uh, 11 second intro. I threw that on just for a little fun, because, of course, most of my albums deal with the songs deal with heavier stuff. Uh, That'd be 11 and 12, I think. Now, the thing about Donnie Took a Dump All Over Twitter and the funny thing about this is I was thinking about this as I was driving here. You know, I got two hours to drive to get here from Ithaca. <laughs> and uh, I realized how many of the songs on this album were written to the title. Where I, I come up with a title, 
you know, sometimes you start writing a song and you don't know what the title is or the title is the chorus and the chorus doesn't okay. come right away. Well, God, you know, the bottle wins each time. Boy, that was exact that that word came right out of my head after I read that story. <laughs> oh, man, the bottle wins each time, even though he's offering her a chance to straighten up her life, and he'll take his pay, you know, paid her to go through drug, you know, through alcohol rehab and all that, and she won't stay with her, you know, to be with her son and be part of her life. Well, the same thing with Donnie took a dump all over Twitter. I was just so disgusted one day. I came up with that. Gee, Donnie took a dump all over Twitter. Wouldn't that be a good song? <laughs> and uh, and the chorus came right away. You know, Donnie took a dump all over Twitter. Now, Bully Boy wants everyone to see. It's 3 a.m., but Donnie, he's no quitter. He's pumping out that crap to you and me. Now, the funny thing about that was we were recording My Name is George in the same session, and I we spent the time on that, and Donnie wasn't even finished in my head. I had the basic arrangement together, but not all the words, and I wanted the guys to each get a verse, so it's not me singing all the lead. Doug sings the second verse, Rich sings the third verse, uh, so we get this bluegrass kind of country America feel, and um, well, we sat there, and we rehearsed it for an hour or two, and we, we did a take, and it was eh, 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 I said, well, it's okay, but we got to get, and we went back in and the take we did was just dynamite. And that's the take you hear. And then we got Sally Taylor over in Australia to put on fiddle again, some beautiful fiddle. She plays on one other song on the record. So uh, for all you Don, for all you people waiting for January 20th, Donnie took a dump all over Twitter. It's the same sheet, it just has more info. This is going to be fun. Donnie took a dump all over Twitter Now Bullet Boy wants everyone to see It's 3 a.m. but Donnie, he's no quitter He's bumping out that crap to you and me Down here on the farm, we're all watching with alarm Cause there ain't nowhere that we can run away From that hurricane of hate, that's how he communicates can't wait to see just what he'll spew today. Donnie took a dump all over Twitter. Now Bullet Boy wants everyone to see. It's 3 a.m., but Donnie, he's no quitter. He's bumping out that crap to you and me. I am just a simple man. I thought I had a plan. It was a minivan and a picket fence for me. Standing in this mob, one more guy without a job And those stupid tweets don't bring me no relief Donnie took the dump all over Twitter Now Bullet Boy wants everyone to see It's 3 a.m. but Donnie, he's no quitter He's pumping out that crap to you get tired of. Uh, George is one of the best guests that 
I've ever had, and I think that, as I told him, this is the fifth time he's uh, been on radio or what have you with me, uh, and uh, gosh, it's so good to have you, George. Well, thank you, Artie. As long as I make music and, and can come here to sing for you and, and play a few songs for you, I appreciate it, really do, and appreciate community radio, too, because if it weren't for stations like WIOX, we w people like me wouldn't get heard, you know, yeah. uh, especially with the political content. So so that last song, Donnie took a dump all over Twitter, was a, yeah. a, a, a fun joke, and, and let me tell you, we'll set up one more song from the record. No, no, don't rush. Well, well, but then We've I, got a whole No, album. no, what I wanted to do, we <laughs> were talking about this, it's your show, of course, um, but I wanted to share some songs from other people in the second set or yeah. some of the cover songs and you're going to do some live music maybe yeah yeah okay. yeah i'm a little burnt but let's see but um but this last song is the last song on the album okay and it comes right after donnie and here's what's going on uh for the last four albums every time i've written a uh, made an album uh, the album is basically finished it's all sequenced or in the mixing phase and then i go oh, i need one more song and uh, for the two of the albums, it ended up being the first song. On the last album, one of the time two years ago, was the last song. And this is the last song on this record. And I wrote it. I got to tell you, Artie, I was working on it the night before the last studio session on September 13th for this album, right before it was going to the duplicator. And I couldn't write the song. And I gave up, went to bed. And, uh, you know, thinking, all right, I've got 11 good songs. That's enough for an album. Okay, you know, <laughs> all right, you're not going to get the song you want. But I wanted a soft, sad, quiet landing for the album. I didn't want it to end with Donnie. Because yeah, well, that's a joke. Yeah. That's a fun song, but he's going to lose and he'll be gone in three months. Totally right? understand. <laughs> so this song came out the next morning, 7 a.m. Wow. And I went to the studio at 11 and I cut it at two after we did our other work. So six hours after I started writing it, we were in the studio and I, it took me an hour to kind of get the words right and the melody right after we did the acoustic guitar. It's called One Day You Just Wake Up and You're Old. And the way it, the way it got written was I woke up that morning thinking about when my nephew was a young kid some some years ago, and I used to sing goodnight to Irene when I was visiting out in Colorado. I'd put him to bed instead of his dad because you know, Uncle George is visiting only for a week or whatever, you know? And uh, I'd sing goodnight Irene and I'd stick his name, goodnight Nikki, instead of goodnight Irene in it. And I thought about someone singing to their kid in these uncertain times or their, you know, their nephew in this case, and uh, and how quickly life goes by and the challenges you face and what you'll see as you grow up. And I try to put that all into a three-minute song called One Day You Just Wake Up and You're Old. Close your eyes now, Nikki. I've got one more story left. And I'll sing goodnight, Irene, and put your name in once again. You know your uncle loves you, and he'll be here till the end. But no one knows just how long I might be. Let me tell you something that my uncle said to me. Always stand on principle. You'll always be free Choose your best friends wisely Tend those friendships carefully And then you'll never truly be alone I'm running out of paper And I'm running out of time I long ago ran out of jokes And I'm running out of rhyme I spend too much time searching for a pot of gold One day you just wake up and you're old And when your eyes are open Y'all see things you can't ignore How life rewards the powerful And shunts aside the poor once you've had a taste of it, you'll keep on wanting more And then you find out nothing comes for free I'm running out of paper, and I'm running out of time I long ago ran out of jokes, and I'm running out of rhymes 
You spend your life in labor Trying to build a pot of gold But one day you just wake up And you're old So close your eyes now, Nikki. Let me take you for a ride We'll travel past the grief and loss Come through the other side If I could spare you all this pain You know that I would try But George's magic only goes so far I'm running out of paper And I'm running out of time I long ago ran out of jokes and I'm running out of rhymes And I put too much faith in people I was counting on One day you just wake up and they're gone So don't spend too much time searching for a pot of gold One day you just wake up and you're old true how true one day you just wake up and you're all you know but it's it, it's funny because when you do get old <laughs> and i'm a lot older than you but you don't really think of it that way you still you know and i'm sure you 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 don't feel like an old man for goodness sakes i know i don't i still feel like i'm 18 and well i don't <laughs> Well, I do, and I'm going to be 77 in December. You look a lot younger. And so, you know, I just feel like the only thing that makes you feel old really is, you know, the pains and things like that. Well, right. Again, the road wear. I mean, I've got bad knees from being a soccer and wrestling kid Mm -hmm. in high school. I wrecked both my knees, and I've had surgery on both knees, uh, cartilage, you know. I'm going to be a candidate for knee replacement someday. And, of course, all the standing and, you know, playing 15 hours a week for nursing homes, gigging and stuff. But uh, but I got to tell you, I'm 20 years younger than you, 58, and uh, I feel... I'm starting to feel old. I mean, I know what you're saying, Artie. You know, you wake up and you you still have that that youthful outlook on life. I, I, I certainly haven't lost my fire. Yeah. But uh, boy, the body. Where did the years go? <laughs> yeah, that's God. the thing. How did I get here? Spent the whole life making somebody rich. I busted my ass for that son of a bitch, and he left me to die like a dog in a ditch. And he told me I'm all used up. He used up my labor, he used up my time Plundered my body and squandered my mind Then gave me a pension of handouts and wine Told me I'm all used up My kids are in hock to a gotcha call work Slaving their lives out for some of the jerk Yeah, my youngest in Frisco just made shipping clerk And he don't know I'm all used up Young people reaching for power and gold don't have respect for anything old For pennies they're bought and for promises sold One day they'll all be used up They use up the oil, they use up the trees they use up the air and they use up the sea Well how about you friend and how about me? What's left when we're all used up? I'll finish my life in this crummy hotel It's lousy with bugs and my God what a smell but my plumbing still works and I'm clear as a bell Don't tell me I'm all used up Outside my window the world rushes by Gives me a handout then spits in my eye And no one can tell me cause no one knows why I'm living but I'm all used up Sometimes in my dreams I sit by a tree My life is a book of how things used to be And kids gather around and they listen to me and they don't think I'm all used up And there's songs and there's laughter and things I can do And all I've learned I can give back to you And I'd give my last breath just to make it come true And no, I'm not all used up Yeah, they use up the oil, they use up the trees They 
use up the air and they use up the sea. Well, how about you, friend, and how about me? What's left when we're all used up? Well, there you go. Uh, final uh, song for this podcast, All Used Up, from George's new album, The Coronavirus Sessions. Once again, I want to thank George Mann for joining me on the Catskills Cafe, which became the podcast that you're listening to. This is Audie Martello, hoping you have a great day, and I'll see you back here next time for another episode of Mostly Folk. Until we meet again Happy Friday